everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ben Hong, and today on our panel, we have Tessa. Hello. Chris Fritz. Hello. And Ari Clark. Hello. And today we're here to talk about this mythical thing called work-life balance. It's not mythical for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of the inspiration for this episode is because, you know, Tessa shared this blog post with us written by Pine Wu, who basically the original creator of a tool you might know called Viter, which we know and love in the Vue ecosystem. And he wrote this blog post. Tessa, what, what was the blog post about? Can you help summarize it for our audience? Sure. Well, basically, as a pine to see how he'd been doing, and also if he was interested in doing an episode maybe about Vitor. He was like, Oh, yeah, I also wrote a blog post on what my plans are for the near future. And so he shared this post that was like, I moved back to Shanghai. I want to travel the world. I want to invest more time in my hobbies and like learning 500 languages and six different arts and all sorts of other impressive stuff. And the underlying thing there was that he stressed that he enjoys programming. He really wants to check in with his values and make sure that he's making time for his interests outside of that. And I think for him too, he was saying about how like he enjoys the, the fruits of programming a lot of times, but it's definitely a means to an end rather than something where he just enjoys the means in and of itself. And I think a lot of people in, in development feel that way, but I think feel like we're kind of in a weird situation where we're maybe not allowed to admit that sometimes, or we yeah. feel like we, we, we shouldn't feel that way. Well, I mean, a lot of people sort of actively advocate that you shouldn't feel that way, which is ridiculous, but I see it. I see it happen. I had a friend of a friend on Facebook, of course, Facebook. <laughs> My friend was expressing interest in learning to be a developer. And he came in with this, don't do it unless you're passionate about it. And I went off. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that is gatekeeping at its finest. (laughs) Like, You know, I'm sorry, keeping people out just because, you know, it's not their end all be all is stupid. And it also prevents you from having diversity of thought within the field, which you want. Sorry, end rant. (laughs) And and obviously like, all of us here, I would say, are, are passionate about development or else we wouldn't have a freaking podcast about development, right? Mm-hmm. And like we, we've all given talks about development. You know, Some of us have hosted workshops and things like that. Like We care about development, certainly. It's something that we find interesting. But passion is also not binary. Like, like it, it's not just like, oh, your whole life or you're just not really, your heart's not really in it. In terms of, your commitment as well as as skill i just i keep on seeing that design is my passion meme flashing in my head as we're talking about this i'll i'll paste the link to it in the show notes oh i think yeah <laughs> for, for people that who aren't bridge familiar one? with it like me what is the design is your passion <laughs> meme? could you could you yeah. explain it yeah it's like this beautiful colorful image with like a cloudy sky and a very happy little frog. The phrase design is my passion overlaid on top of it in a tasteful font. But like the joke there is that it's, it's really not, not aesthetic in any way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I think basically like what I'm saying is there's like, there's also equivalency just because you're passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean that you are skilled at it and vice versa just because you're skilled at something doesn't mean that you're passionate about it yeah just play devil's advocate though like no if you're really passionate about something <laughs> and you're spending a lot of time at it you're more likely to become good at it right and there's so much stuff to know in development right i mean i don't know all the things yet do you know all the things any of you yeah obviously okay well, Ari knows all <laughs> no. The things. no 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 already warrior coder <laughs> we were talking about like our relationship to to development right now, and we were we were sort of touching on that a little bit. So, like, how do how do each of us feel? And should we should we go in around? Like, what's your relationship to development right now? Like, how you know? Obviously, we're all passionate about development, but do we? Is it our entire lives? And how do we strike that balance? Well, so for me, I think I I have a good balance when it comes to 
you know, <coughs> work life. <coughs> 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 yes. Um, sorry, we're going to need to redo that. Ben was making a joke, and I don't think the audience will get it. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, in all seriousness, like, out of all of us, Ben probably has the the worst work life balance. That, that may be true. He does. Yeah. yeah. We love you, but <laughs> you could improve in that area. Yeah. And and this episode, like for realsies, is is basically just an intervention for Ben. Yep. You know, we all got together before this. And we're like, we gotta do something, right? Like we, we care about him. Like now you all know the actual <laughs> subtext. <laughs> Sometimes the truth hurts. So Ben, tell us more lies about how, how you manage work life balance. <laughs> well, I will say that when it comes to coding, I, I will say I started off with that misconception as well, that it was sort of like a race to the finish, sort of like you had to do something that was insurmountably amazing just to be noticed. And this may be part of sort of as an Asian American, some of the model minority expectations that come along with that that as an Asian American, you are expected to do a lot more in comparison maybe to other people. And so I think that's what was always hard. I think when I started getting into tech was like, you know, if I wasn't this amazing coder or I wasn't any amazing at something, who was I going to be? And the traditional sort of Asian paradigm when it comes to this stuff is you just like pour everything you have into it, just work your butt off. But as we have sort of began sort of approaching, this is not necessarily the healthiest thing. I will say part of the reason as you know, my fellow panelists are joking that I sort of, I do spend a lot of my free time in sort of the coding, but for me, it's more like, I think part of it is that there's a huge community behind what I'm doing. And a lot of my involvement is with the people in the community. So in that regard, I find myself stressed, but it's less of like, I'm like coding, like literally 24 hours a day. It's just, I'm involved with a lot of things because I've come to meet some really great people. And as a result, just want to do my best to help out. But sometimes as I'm often reminded, you have to help yourself before you can help others because then there's this thing called burnout. <laughs> yeah, Ben's just too good of a person and it's a problem for him. And I'm not even joking. <laughs> That's actually what it is. So yeah, you can be too good. Ben, you're too good. Try uh, toning down the good a little. Also, it would make the rest of us feel better. <laughs> it's just easy when you have you know, when you see fires to put out, it just gives you that sense of purpose. And then you don't have to deal with the imposter syndrome because something's on fire. You don't have time to think. You're just like, <laughs> water, 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 water. Well, I, I never thought of it, but yeah, that makes sense. When it's easy to be a good person, you don't have to be pretend to be a good person. I'm just a good person. I'm not an imposter like the rest of you. <laughs> yeah, it may look like I'm trying to be a good person, but I mean, I, I have many deep-seated insecurities so pure. People would like to send words of encouragement. We're going to break the trend and say at um, Ben Codesen, just saying, <laughs> say nice things to him. Or not. I have a thick skin. It's all good. You can give me feedback. Safety. Yeah, but the keep people it, have keep nice it, things. Keep it growth mindset stuff. <laughs> not, not, not the fixed mindset. If you don't know fixed versus growth mindset, it's, I won't talk about it now, but go and like look it up on YouTube or something or the video and then give him some like growth mindset compliments. <laughs> That's like a lot of homework we're assigning our listeners just so they can go and give one of our panelists compliments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if they really care about Ben, they would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wielding the guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Typical white man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like more typical, like someone's mother, like guilting them into doing the right thing? I don't know what your family I thought that situation was like a stereotypical is. mother thing. <laughs> I guess we are saying that you're the mother of our group. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I don't know. That, I don't know that's accurate, but. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tessa? How do you feel about this work-life balance coding, your relationship with it? Well, I guess this was the perfect week to ask because I started it out staying up really late talking to my friend about his work on The Last of Us 2. And then the next night I stayed up really late doing, I don't even know, I did nothing. I just stayed up late for no reason. And then last night I stayed up late playing The Last of Us 2. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly I got this thing down. Well, I mean, we talked in the day previous episode about how I got into coding basically just like as a kind of out of curiosity, like as a challenge to see 
if it was something I could do. And there are parts of it that I find interesting and like editing CSS and stuff used to be a hobby for me in school, but as a job, I think if it didn't pay, I probably wouldn't be spending so much time on it. Mm. Yeah. And there's definitely aspects that I enjoy more or less. So like a couple of days ago, I was messaging you all about how I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out to be a developer because like the type of bug I was fixing was like, here's this very complex system to fetch this one piece of data. And I'm like, that's not the kind of bug that I find interesting. And then like yesterday, I was trying to fix an issue where it's like one of those things where you have a modal pop-up and there's like a mask that darkens the rest of the site. That's not the modal. And then when you click on it, it's supposed to close the modal. Clicking on it wasn't doing anything. So I was like trying to look at the Z indexes and that didn't seem to be doing anything. And then I tried to find the 3D viewer and only Edge has it now. So I tried Edge for the first time. And then it turned out that I just needed to put pointer events to auto, but I didn't see them as off in the computer property. So I, I don't know why that fixed it. But like those are the kinds of mysteries that I find more engaging or interesting to solve or I have more patience for. So I guess to me, the appeal of programming is like figuring out why something works the way it is, way it does or why it doesn't work. But even within that, it's like a specific subset. Yeah, I feel like there are different kinds of programmers too. Like different people enjoy like different parts of the work. Something that that I enjoy a lot is sitting down for two days straight, just like researching some kind of weird bug that we can't figure out. Like it doesn't make any sense why it's working this way. And that's my jam. I love that. I, I, I like never run out of patience for that <laughs> somehow. But it, for most people, that's really, really frustrating. And a lot of people want like some kind of visual results. If they can't like show someone or, or themselves at the end of the day, like, oh, here's this new page that I made. Like here's, here's this new functionality, like something that didn't work before and now it works, you know, that is like really obvious. Then it's hard for them to feel productive and feel, feel good about their work. Yeah, I definitely like having some kind of visual reveal there. And uh, at a TC39 meeting or panel a few a couple of years ago, I heard one of the panelists talk about his approach to development, which he described as like annoyance-driven development. And that really resonated with me. So like taking that and reflecting it back on these two problems, I guess like with the first problem, problem itself wasn't annoying, but like trying to figure out the solution was annoying. Whereas like the problem that I was interested in, like, the problem itself was annoying. Like nobody knew why it was doing this thing. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I like So it's sort of like scratching an itch. Like yeah. r- really literally, like when you have an itch, the itch is really annoying and you get to scratch it. But in this case, it's more like maybe scratching somebody else's itch where like you don't get the same satisfaction because <laughs> it's not itchy to you. It's true. Yeah. Or like we didn't expect <laughs> there. Just remember, consent before scratching someone else's itch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, they've got to tell you where the itch is and say like, hey, would you mind? Yeah. Just go scratching other people, okay? (laughs) Just in case they're itchy? (laughs) Hey, you looked itchy. (laughs) Maybe someone should make an app for finding people who have itches and people who (laughs) (laughs) itch finder. (laughs) It's probably out there already. Yeah, I think I think one thing that's difficult with work-life balance in terms of coding is like, you know, there's times where you're not really into the bug and you get distracted and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. And other times when you're really like on a roll and starting to figure things out and then it's the end of the day and you're like, well, do I set everything down and hope that I'll be able to jump back in tomorrow or do I keep going and then suddenly it's three o'clock in the morning and nobody's paying me extra? Yeah. And in a lot of places, like, especially around the world, like I, I've talked to a lot of uh, Chinese devs, for example, where, where there's a saying, I think it's 996. You're working from 9am to 9pm, six days a week. And that's, that's kind of like normal. It's considered normal for, for a developer. And to me, that seems kind of messed up because that's like all of your energy for most of your life. And, and then you don't get you don't get that energy to, to spend on like relationships or like other things that are more like emotionally interesting or relevant or also like intellectually interesting. 
or just uh, like having some good zero time, just time to do nothing. Because I, I feel like boredom is actually something I really treasure now. Like having time where I just don't have to do anything and am not doing anything. And sometimes I'll even schedule this time now to just like stare at a wall and daydream or go out for a hike and don't bring a podcast <laughs> or an audiobook. Like just sit with nature and kind of look at nature and take a walk. You know, I, I kind of feel like there's a, there's a pressure and not just for developers, but I, I think especially for developers to make every moment optimal. And, and a lot of times when we talk about work-life balance, or at least when I hear other developers talk about work-life balance, they say like, like Ben was saying, oh yeah, I realize like it's important to maintain our capacity, you know, where there's this sort of implied value that the only point of non-work time is to make us more productive during work time, you know, to just like keep us going so we don't burn out so that we can still produce the maximum. And that's sometimes the only way that we feel like we can excuse it to ourselves. Oh, well, I'm not working right now because, you know, in the long run, I'll get more done. Does anybody else feel like that? Yeah, I feel really called out. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize that that was my pattern of thinking until you started saying it. I was like, oh God, that's me. That's totally me. It's not just you. Like it's, I I feel like that's how a lot of people and, and myself sometimes am thinking about it. I mean, I think a lot of that is that that's the value judgment that society has given us. And I get, you know, I never even thought to question it. <laughs> Which, society, man. I know. I feel like such a sheep now. No, it doesn't bother me that much. Now I've been. Yeah. Stand up, people. <laughs> no, but I mean, really, that very much is a Western value is, you know, being productive, working. I don't think hard. it's just Western either. No, it's not. Yeah. But. I have grown up in the West, so I can really only speak to that. I know not everyone here has that soul experience, but that's me. I am sheltered in my Western ways. But no, it, the, you know, the whole American dream thing, like we're, we even say that people who come here need to subscribe to that same mentality of mm-hmm. working hard you know, and doing something great. And that doing something great is the output of your work. Whereas you might, change your perspective and say that doing something great is developing relationships with people and providing value in that way. But that is not what I was taught growing up for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I will say, I think one of the challenging things with the work hard mentality, especially in like the sort of the kind of toxic hustle advice that's often given for people coming into technology is that it's like when everyone is doing this, it's basically ironically hard to differentiate yourself. Like you can't just keep working harder and burning yourself out in order to break into the field or to achieve the things you want. And so I know I had, there's a sort of paradoxical effect where for me, I realized I had to, rather than become like the best programmer or whatever, I had to figure out like other ways to like find ways to be noticed, whether it was through volunteer projects or finding those connections um, and networking. But then ironically, sometimes discovering like, the path that's less taken so that you can have more opportunities to sort of rise then result in imposter syndrome (laughs) because no one's really done it before. So you're sort of doing things that, yeah, are uncharted territory. And I know what you all feel about that. Well, I tend to think that most of imposter syndrome comes from comparing ourselves to others. So maybe you'll reach a breakthrough by taking a path path less traveled. (laughs) No, but I mean, I like, I don't know about our listeners, but I spend a fair amount of time on dev Twitter and I see people posting about their side projects, blog posts, doing all these things that are clearly outside of work time. And I start to feel guilty because that's not something I have the mental energy to do. And, you know, like sometimes I feel less than because of that. I have ADHD and I need a tremendous amount of downtime. <laughs> Like, it's just what I need to be able to make, you know, the time I do work more valuable, (laughs) like I was saying. But like, as time has gone on, I've realized that it's okay to not be that person. It's more than okay if you're not writing blog posts, if you're not giving talks. Because so truth be told, I, last year was my first experience giving talks and I realized I don't enjoy it. And 
at first I felt bad about not enjoying it, but I realized, you know, I, that's okay. I shouldn't force myself into that. I can provide value to the community in other ways. That's why I show up every week. Really. It's it's just to make myself feel better, (laughs) (laughs) but also hopefully help you guys with some things. Cause I do, I think like Ben was saying, I think that community is a very attractive part of this, you know, for a lot of us, especially those of us who maybe are never going to be like, you know, out there making compilers for funsies because uh, I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. But I feel like I have human skills that can benefit more people than if I was writing blog posts that would make no sense because I would, you know, do classic ADHD storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> Just be all over the place. So yeah, I think finding your value relative to yourself is really important for finding work-life balance. Yeah. And I think also with regards to hustle culture and imposter syndrome and comparing ourselves to others, there's like, I feel like this huge shadow hanging over all of that. And also over dev Twitter, where if you're doing something like for the sake of industry or involving another person, it's inherently performative, but we kind of pretend like it's not. And I feel like there's this sense that if we pretend it's not, it won't be rather than just embracing or accepting the performative aspects of it and, and working with that. And I think when we're with ourselves too, we can also be performative, but I never really thought to connect this with boredom before. I think when you're alone and you're bored, it's a little, it's a little bit harder to be performative than like, say, if you're alone and you're doing something then I feel like a lot of us will feel some kind of pressure to be like, well, can I turn this into something? Can I make it into that dreaded content? Can I monetize this? And I, like Chris, miss being bored and sometimes schedule time in for it. But I feel like it's different now, especially as an adult, because it's like I'm already spending so much time on work and trying to level up at work and then behind on like errands and stuff. So then if I am being bored, then that means that I'm not doing other things that also need to be taken care of. And I don't know if this is like me being too judgy on myself or something, but I have, I have a feeling that boredom, it's not enough to just have an hour to be bored. It's like, there's a critical mass that I had to build up of time that I've been bored within a span of, of time to reap the benefits of that boredom in terms of like my mind having time to rest and percolate new ideas, which brings me back to the the hustle side of things again, I guess. And this is kind of related to like the, the boredom piece to what one part of Desi and Ryan's self-determination theory, which is like a very popular theory about how humans are motivated that talks about how people basically need three things. Autonomy being one of them, which I, I think is very related to boredom. Like we need a sense that like we are in control of our own actions and our own path, mastery or, or competence. You know, we can actually like do things, accomplish things. We can take down problems that we set our minds to. And the other one's relatedness. That's feeling we care for other people that we're interacting with in whatever system and that they care for us. And so I think some people like legitimately can get all those things from their development work. They have like colleagues that they, that they really care about and, you know, they care for them. They feel like they have a lot of choice in the kinds of things that they, they work in, that, that they work on and uh, the technologies that they work with, that kind of thing. And maybe they can maybe pursue like a lot of different like development interests and, and expand their skills in ways that are aligned with what they want anyway. And they feel like they're pretty good at that and they're supported to be good at those things and get better at them all the time. And so I I think a lot of people can get that from their work. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing for people to be totally obsessed. And at at various times in my life, I've been working sometimes like 16 hours a day. And sometimes that's been okay. And sometimes that's been not okay. You know, sometimes that's, that's been unhealthy and then it's like led to breakdowns. And sometimes I've done that for like months and felt great about it and like gone to sleep every day. It's like excited to wake up and do it again the next day. I think part of this for me is also, I I, I didn't talk about my my experience, but as I'm getting older, kind of the the things that I'm interested in are, are changing a little bit. So when I was a kid, 
I, I had a, a pretty severe speech impediment and also autistic. So like not very good at reading people or situations and not very good at like having the effects that I want in a lot of social situations and being often totally bewildered about why the thing that happened happened instead of what I was going for. And I've learned over time a lot of, a lot of ways to like compensate for that. But I didn't really like have a lot of close relationships and I kind of learned to just be okay with that. And I also grew up in an international school. So half of the school would also just leave every year. And so even the people that I did grow close to, they would always quickly disappear from my life. You know, there are very few people there like me who were long timers. And so I kind of learned to not care about personal relationships as much and, and focus more on like problems and being useful to other people. And development's great for that. Development made me feel very useful and still does. But I'm also finding that I, I want more time to just share wonderful experiences with people I care about. Walks in the park with partners. I sometimes enjoy like reading books to each other, which is just something I, I cherish so much. And just hanging out, maybe like watching TV or talking about nothing. Sometimes staging like a fake podcast where we interview our toast. Just like silly things like that. And that's <laughs> that, that makes me so much happier than development ever did. And spending time with with especially like the family members that we might not get that much more time with. You know, I have some family that is is very sick right now. And I enjoy the freedom that development has given me and, and my, my work has given me and that I can actually have the, the possibility of scaling back a little bit and spending a lot more time just with people and cooking and eating and just being a freaking human. That's wonderful. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I've cherished that more. And I found the problems of development much less interesting because I'm really like most interested in human problems. Yeah. Hearing you say that really definitely got me thinking as far as like, you know, a lot of times in tech, it does feel like there's always so much to do, right? So much to learn. And it's almost like we're trying to pre-optimize for what our career needs to be, that you need to learn all these things because otherwise you're not going to be good enough for your job. And I think Chris brings up a great point as far as like, really, we have to remember when we're as far as everyone's purpose for why they're in tech is different, you know? And then like to Ari's point, so if the point of being in tech is to have a reliable job, salary that's like paid well, and you know, that's good enough and that's it, then that's great. You don't, shouldn't feel compelled to spend time outside like working on open source projects if you don't want to or whatnot. That's not something you're obligated to. But more importantly, like as long as you understand what it means to you and what you're trying to get out of it, you know, whether it's Chris having more time to spend with family or if it's having tech support your, you know, gaming habits, whatever, like it doesn't matter what it is. That's really what I think the most important thing when it comes to trying to manage that sort of work-life balance is understanding what's important to you because only you can answer that. No one can answer that question for you. And I, I think for me, answering that question is something I have to do constantly. You know, it's not like, you know, once a year I answer that question and that's my trajectory for the year. Like every day is different in terms of my capacity for productivity. You know, I have some days where focusing is not going to happen and I'm just wasting time trying so I hope my employer I totally never listens to this. Yeah. <laughs> so I really hope that my employer never listens to this. But so some days I, especially now that, you know, we're working from home, those days I don't try. I don't. It's not, it's not worth the frustration. It, it's better to save that energy for things that I can focus on in that moment. And maybe those things aren't work. But really, okay. I mean, you say like, you're, you hope your employer doesn't listen to that, but. I don't think they would understand, I mean, sadly. <laughs> I feel like part of my value is especially in having ADHD is the fact that I say things maybe I shouldn't, but you know, these are things that other people feel. <laughs> and I think if I can validate someone else's feelings, then my work here is done. But, and so, yeah, so those days I, I don't try. And, but there are days where I feel super focused and super productive. Like Tessa was saying, you know, next thing you know, it's 3am. 
And I think you have to figure out what, what day it is for you any given day. And that may even change in the middle of the day. That's okay. But you know, constantly evaluating what's important to you in the moment, I think is really the key to work-life balance as opposed to trying to make every day fit into the same box. And, and sometimes even when I have the energy for something, I feel way less autonomy following a strict schedule that even I set, like I'm the one who decided to do all these things. And I feel less, I feel like, Oh, past Chris, like, why are you making me do this? <laughs> like, why'd you sell these meetings for today? Oh, I just wanted to, I just want to eat ice cream and go for a walk. Past Chris just doesn't get you. I know. <laughs> <sighs> but I think Ari brings up an excellent point though, is that, I've always thought, so for those that don't know, like the whole concept of a nine to five, you know, shift and like the 40 hour work week is based on a very outdated model of like when people were working in factories and like building widgets. So you had to work like those hours. But I've always thought that it was weird that we're still tied to this model. And I always try to get people to realize that like, to Ari's point, like if you're feeling off and you just need to take that time to like recover, like especially in tech, you, in my opinion, you are paid for your ideas, not your hours. As long as you're getting like the job done and you're getting the, in the, you know, your deliverables are on time and you're delivering your best work, like you're not, obli- I don't, I personally don't believe you're obligated that X amount of time to your employers because it's about the quality of your work, not about the amount of time it takes to get there. 100% agree. And, and realistically, no one has, or at least for me, I only have eight plus hours of cognitive capacity for something when I can focus on one thing. If I have to do two things, then my cognitive capacity for the day is probably like at best five hours. And if I have to do more than two things in that day, then we're talking maybe like three hours of like actually like peak time. Otherwise, like the, I might get done in an hour would otherwise take me five minutes. Seriously, that's not, that's not an exaggeration. Like if I don't respect my energy and where it's at and try to like help build up my capacity again. There's, there's no point in trying to force it when it's not working. I think also it's tough because it's not just a battle with yourself, but it's also like a battle with the system and everybody else who's entrenched in that system. Like even going beyond just employers whose definition of productivity is butts and seats. It's like there's messages and coworkers who need things and everybody else who's bought into the hustle culture and the everything needs to be done Right now, we need to be in constant communication 12 hours a day or something. If there's a fire, you need to wake up and take care of it. And so even if if you disagree and your employer or your situation gives you the latitude to disagree, it's still a constant struggle to push back against that, which on top of all the constant noise, saps a lot of energy. And so I never got to go out and see people that often, but that felt like that gave me a lot of a lot of time to be bored and for ideas to take up space without being crammed up against each other. But now in this digital era where everybody is kind of right here, but not really, like I feel like my mind doesn't have room even to give any of these ideas an appropriate amount of my attention and focus. And so that kind of contributes to this perpetual cycle of feeling imbalance or dissatisfaction or, or burnout. For me personally, I really need cycles in my work of consuming, like, you know, you like reading or watching things, you know, to take in knowledge, then doing things with that knowledge to process it, and then writing about it or talking about it, like with other people, you know, so to like process that in a social context and then repeat, go and have another round of like mostly learning and then another round of like mostly doing practicing that knowledge and then another round of, you know, writing and talking about it socially and processing it in that context. And if I don't have cycles where I can mostly do those things at any given time, then I, I, I kind of stall out. Like my, my growth stalls out. Yeah, I can see that. And I feel like, especially now that everything or most things in life are digital, it kind of almost feels like I'm just always stuck in the same cycle, even if Technically, I'm doing different things within those cycles. Like I find myself reminiscing about past jobs, which involved like manual labor, where I wasn't really necessarily having to think all the time, but I was doing doing things and feeling things. Yeah, I think a lot of us are kind of stuck mostly doing. 
we don't really have much time to like write about it or explore it socially or read about it. Yeah. A few episodes back, I mentioned this book about taking smart notes. And in the introduction, the author is talking about planning versus structure and how if you have a plan, then you're like really stuck in there and it's dependent on willpower to accomplish it. Where like with structure, you have room for flexibility. And I think I definitely, or maybe just society in general, veers more towards the plan side because it's easier to coordinate with other people if you have a plan versus if you have whatever this looser sense of structure means. But then we lose out on that that sense of autonomy by a lot, even if we come up with a plan. And that, that can be tiring as well, which is unfortunate. So we've talked a lot about maintaining work-life balance, but we haven't talked about how we do that while also keeping current on skills. But it just occurred to me that I don't really care about keeping my skills up to date or pushing my skills. Because really, the only skills I need are the ones I'm using day to day. But what I do develop is my knowledge so that when the time comes for me to need to reach for something to develop that skill, I know what I need to reach for. And I usually do that, honestly, by just spending a lot of time on Twitter. Because people will post about things that are interesting. And all I have to do is read that and be like, hey, let me file that away. If I ever need to solve that problem, I know what to reach for. So I, I don't go too deep into anything. I really don't. because I, When the time comes, I can do that. I don't need to do that off the bat because I but may never need it. <laughs> that's part of that boredom time. Like you're yeah. exposing yourself to, to what, I, what I think of as positive randomness. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's just like things that are out there and you're not looking for anything in particular, but you're exposing yourself to, to things that like might spark something or you might want to look into in the future. Yeah, that was beautiful. All right. Oh. I said, I got to get that frame on the wall. That monologue. That was great. It's not skills, it's knowledge. <laughs> I mean, that reminds me of a concept a friend of mine introduced me to, what he calls just-in-time knowledge. You know, I imagine a lot of us have these bookmarks of like all these articles we're supposed to read because, you know, so-and-so recommended it. <laughs> I was looking a little guilty there. I'm oh, no, guilty. I'm looking guilty because I don't do that. And oh. like everybody else complains <laughs> no, about it. So and I'm that, like, I can't healthy. relate. I just don't read. Uh, <laughs> But you know, that. when it comes to like, especially like news and stuff, it's it's easy to try to hoard information. And in an in an age where it's the information age, it's just impossible to hoard all of it. It's just it's no way. <laughs> so yeah, my friend introduced me to this idea that like when that information is relevant to you, you have a problem to solve. It's just in time information. And then to Chris's point, the nice thing about boredom and positive randomness is that if it's that important, trust me, you're going to hear about it. It's like that's just what ends up happening because. Whether you like it or not, like other people cannot disconnect themselves from it. So you're going to like, this is your active choice to like reduce the noise and to let yourself grow individually. Like I assure you, everyone will tell you if something really big is going on, you know, moving away from TypeScript to JavaScript. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We'll tell you. So just keep listening to us and we'll let you know. (laughs) So it it sounds like what we're talking about is like, you know, we don't need to have all the answers, but it's good to be able to know how to ask the right questions. Yeah. And I will say personally, like one hard thing that it, as someone who joined the core team recently, I know that we joke here a lot of times is that a lot of people sort of expect you to have all the answers. And it's hard because you're trying to do stuff for the team and the community. But at the same time, like you're supposed to know all this stuff. What's going on with Vuex? What's going on with this? And it wasn't until recently that I'd just been wrestling with that. And I was reminded that, you know, even though I don't always have the right answer, I have the ability to try to find out the right answer from the right people. And that itself in itself is valuable, even though I might not know it off the top of my head. And so something to keep in mind. When I was on the view team, oftentimes half of my day was just keeping up with everything that's happening so that I would have the answers. <laughs> and I did not enjoy that. I think as developers, uh, we, or okay, I'm not going to say all of us, but I think a lot of us have this problem with answering a question with, I don't know. <laughs> Because that makes us feel like imposters. Yeah, I don't know. What? Oh, it depends. Yeah. (laughs) That is the fancy. I don't know. But I will say, like, fortunately, that was an answer I got very comfortable with prior to entering development. When I worked at a quilt shop, and I personally was not a quilter. (laughs) So, you know, like, they would ask me questions. I'd be like, I don't know, but I can go ask (laughs) someone who does know. Or... I can tell you who to talk to. 
or I've heard people say they really like this. I've never used it, but this is what I've heard. And so, yeah, I think, I think we're so afraid of saying, I don't know that we think we need to know everything all at once. And that will exhaust you. I am a firm believer in breadth of knowledge versus depth. Mm -hmm. I agree that it's important to be able to say, I don't know. And at the same time, I feel like it's a double-edged sword because at least in my experiences and observations, it seems like there tends to be a higher overlap between the group of people who are comfortable or open to saying they don't know something and the group of people who like the tech community maybe at large will assume already are less likely to know something. So like those two things together are kind of an unfortunate combination, even though I don't think that the solution there is, is for people to start pretending that they know everything, but yeah. Yeah. I've had blonde hair for a long time and people definitely judged me for that. I remember in high school, I was in a calculus class and I was sitting next to a girl who was my same exact age, but I guess she looked smarter and a guy in our class came up and asked her a question. And it was literally the same question she had just asked me and I helped her with. And so she just, she looked at him. She was like, she can help you. And I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, like a lot of us have to contend with stereotypes. Actually, okay. The majority of tech does not have to contend with stereotypes <laughs> unless you call being a white male. But sorry, guys, I just don't care if that's a problem for you. But yeah, you know, those of us who don't look like the majority of people in tech. Yeah. There's this pressure to know everything because you feel that you have to prove something more than, you know, the white guy. Sorry, Chris. Just. Hey, no, I, I, I love it. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. I I take, I take full advantage of it. It's like people, I just say things and people believe me and (laughs) then it's over. over. Like then the conversation is over. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm really blessed. But coming from education, like there, there is, there is a lot of research to show that like in, you know, math classes, you know, which have been around for, for a lot longer than computer science classes, women who raise their hands, like are called on like far less frequently from like by both male and female teachers. There are obviously like a lot of, a lot of stereotypes that are very deeply ingrained in us. It's very strange. It's a, it's a weird, weird world we live in. But we're here to tell you that you are enough. Yes. Everything you're doing, like you're, if you're trying your best, you know, we see you and we are cheering for you. Did you hear that, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) But I mean, I guess all of that is really just to say that it's not, the burden is not on you to prove that whatever, you know, sub stereotype you fit in is not real it it's on the people who believe those stereotypes to come around you can do a little bit but burning yourself out to prove yourself isn't gonna help (laughs) it's not gonna help you it's not gonna help people who look like you because if you're burned out you're not gonna be very productive and so Mm -hmm. take care of yourself and do what is within your capacity and that will be enough damn it it will Oh gosh, one, one little thing. Like I, I've, I've lived on both sides of this a little bit where when I had a speech impediment, people would assume that I was stupid, even though like I was saying the same things or trying to at least. Like I had the same ideas. And then, like once I could speak more reliably coherently, then people thought I was a genius. <laughs> I think I've had something similar where like I will say something and then people will not really acknowledge my idea or or give it the time of day and then i agree ben what do you think a man in the room will repeat what i said ben, ben, mm-hmm. sorry tessa tessa i think you just interrupted me i, I was talking to ben <laughs> <laughs> this is an example of what not to do that <laughs> was very rude I, but I i'll let you continue i'll let you continue go ahead tessa gosh as I was saying, sometimes when I say something for the first time, it's not really acknowledged or considered. Like people, maybe they don't think it's a good idea or even a decent idea. And then, you know, a man will repeat it. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, this is a brilliant idea. That happened to me a lot when I was playing World of Warcraft. I would make a strategy suggestion and nothing. And then two minutes later, 
a guy would suggest it. And suddenly it's a great idea. And I'm just like, really? No. Okay. Whatever. At least we're doing it. (laughs) And for those of us who experience this, and when you see this happening, you know, I would say, do your best to call out the person who came up with the idea originally. It doesn't have to be in a rude way. You can just say, yeah, actually already mentioned that and so forth. Like you don't have to be like, by the way, that was rude, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, there are ways to do this in a way that you can provide that support and slowly change the mentality at your workplace. So, oh gosh, yeah. And in my international customers, I see that way more than just like female developers, which I, I've seen it a lot, but also with like Eastern European, Indian developers, people with like less prestigious accents. You know, I, I often they'll, they'll say the same thing and then someone else will, will have to repeat it before someone actually believes it's, it's a good idea. And sometimes I'll see like, I'll see that that's what's happening. So I'll repeat the good idea and say like, actually, like, yeah, this is something that's, I think happened even with, with Damien, who I've worked with, like from, from Poland, who's also on the, on the Viewcore team. Like, obviously he's, he's, he's a very smart person. Sometimes I'd have to repeat what, you know, things that, that he said for other people to take them seriously and, and then have to remind content. people that it's not my idea. <laughs> Got a little off topic into allyship, but all great points. <laughs> <laughs> So right now, like I'm a little bit at a kind of weird place where, you know, because of, of things going on in my personal life, I'm taking a lot more time for, for personal stuff and pulling back on, on work quite a bit. Like I, I'm working a, a lot less than, than I used to. And later, like I, I plan on like scaling up work some more, but I'm still wondering how much I want to do that. And the way that I look at Money is also, I think, maybe a little bit different from the way that most people do, where I think money is just freedom. So like, buy as much freedom as you need, but don't buy any more. Because then if you, mm. if you make too much, then it becomes not freedom anymore. It just becomes something that you have to manage. And uh, you're tempted to buy more things that you also have to manage. And then maybe like hire people to manage. And, and then suddenly your, your life has become like a small business. So buy as much freedom as you need. This is a little bit more complicated for people who have kids because, you know, that they want to, you know, plan for emergencies and also like, you know, send their kids to college sometimes without a whole load of debt. You know, these are very nice things. And as, as me, like someone who doesn't have kids and has no plans to have kids, like it's, it's a little bit different. So take that with a grain of salt if you do have kids. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about for your situation, but, well, but where, where, where are you all in like in your work-life development? Are you happy with where it's at? Like work-life balance? Are you happy with where that's at right now? Or do you want to make some changes? I'm on week two of two weeks off. So I'm feeling real good about it. Zero <laughs> <laughs> percent work is that. about the right amount for me. <laughs> Having, you know, gone through six straight weeks of a new emergency feature every week, I earned oh, those two no. weeks off. So oh, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's not fun. I'm really hoping can... that does not continue next week. Congratulations. I'm, I'm glad you got two weeks off. It's been lovely. It really has. I'm sad that it's going to end. <laughs> Tessa, go ahead. I guess I'm not, I'm not happy where I am with work-life balance right now. And I would love to have more time for things like hobbies and personal development and also to be bad at things like to have hobbies that I'm not good at and don't feel internal or external pressure to be good at. Yes. Yeah. I'm also a night person or an inconsistent time of day person. And like that doesn't mesh well with the workday. So that's, that's always a challenge. Ben, do you have thoughts about your current work-life balance? Oh, it's going great. (laughs) No, that was a joke. (laughs) No, when uh, Tessa, when you said I need to learn to be bad at things, just so take it easy, it reminds me. Uh, Chris sent me this comic where the two friends are walking along, and a friend's like, "Hey, we should we should take the time to smell the flowers." And the guy's like, "Oh, he's like stuffing all the flowers in his face," and he's like, "Flower smelling champion." <laughs> that's, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but I, I was I was yeah. making fun of the way that that Ben plays Stardew Valley sometimes, where. For people who haven't played it, you have a certain amount of energy every day. And Ben feels the need to use every ounce of energy. And by the way, like I introduced Stardew Valley to my parents and my dad is exactly the same way. He's like, you still have some energy. Chop, chop down that tree. What are you doing? You're going to waste that energy? 
intense just yeah. sitting there like you all don't understand how hard it is to just be good at everything <laughs> <laughs> and stardew valley is a game with no deadlines or anything and nothing that you need to do that sounds it's cool. purely just like chill out and even <laughs> Even this game, Ben has somehow, and my dad, have turned into something that can stress them out. Okay, but have you passed out during planting day? Okay. (laughs) It's pretty much every time I pass out in the middle of the field. But in all seriousness, yeah, that is something, as Ari, Chris, and Tessa mentioned, I am actually trying to work on finding that balance again. And more importantly... When it comes to inspiration and new ideas, it is important to do things sort of testament either that you're not good at or just new things. And so I've started picking up drawing on my iPad and just doing different things that society has told me for a while that like, if you're not good at drawing, don't do it. And so to me, I was like, well, well, screw that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway. So. Okay. But now, Ben, you have to share those drawings with us so we can decide if you're bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll post them in the chat later. Yes. We should include some links in the show notes, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wouldn't do that to you, Ben. That's mean. I I also want to call Ben out that the last time we played Stardew Valley, he talked about view docs most of the time. (laughs) Oh, that's so bad. Okay, that that did happen. (laughs) Uh, Clearly, this is a packed topic. And I think we honestly didn't even cover some of the things we wanted to talk about in the outline. So I imagine there will be a part two to this. I think we covered like one thing. Yeah, I think we did. So as we close, I guess, this part of topic, does anyone have any sort of final advice for our audience as we wrap up this episode? Love yourself. I think I will repeat the advice of Harry Chapin's grandfather, who said that there are two kinds of tired. There's good tired and there's bad tired. Now, good tired, oddly enough, can be a day that you lost, but you fought your battles, like you lived your life, you live by your values, your goals, spend time with the people you love. And so when you hit the hay, you rest easy, you sleep the sleep of the just. Now, bad tired can actually be a day that you won, but you fought other people's battles. Like you, you live by other people's values, spent time with people you don't feel connected to. And when you hit the hay, like you, you don't rest easy, you toss and turn. You know, you're already stressed about like getting up and doing it the next day. And so try to focus at the end of every day on being good tired and see how that feels to you. Yeah, I think for me, my final thought is just that when things are not in balance, it doesn't necessarily just affect you, but it can also affect your work, even the work that you are ostensibly performing perfectly. So, like with the the last of us two for example i'm only like at the beginning of the game so but it's very clear that everybody put a lot of of time and effort into perfecting their piece of the game like the hair is detailed and and lit amazingly and the wheat is detailed and the wind is blowing through all of the greens and stuff but when you look at the picture as a whole everything doesn't quite fit together or hang together because it's just like everything is a hundred percent on a hundred percent of the time. So yeah, it's, it's not just whether you can be really amazing at every single thing in your life, but it's what is the bigger picture and how does everything fit together in terms of where you want to go? Wise words. And I appreciate the video game analogy. So I'm more likely to understand it. (laughs) Well, and for myself, I think Tessa actually gives me a great jump off point. I have a quote from Greg McEwen, who wrote Essentialism. And so talks about how the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s, and it was singular. And it meant to basically be the very first and the only important thing. And it stayed singular for the next 500 years. And only in the 1900s did it actually get pluralized to the term and start talking about priorities. And so when you're thinking about yourself, realize that you know, figuring out that priority and what's important to you is really critical to understanding those next steps and where to put your time and energy to so you can be good tired each day rather than feeling like, you know, you're just doing things for someone else and that at the end of the day, you don't feel like you have something that you care about and something to show for it. So something to keep in mind. 
And with that, I think it's time for us to move on to picks. Chris, you want to get us started? Sure. My one pick for today is a game called Outer Wilds. It's a mystery puzzle exploration game that, that was actually recommended to me by Evan at ViewConf. And I'm so glad I finally got around to playing it. Previously, it was only available for PlayStation 4, but it's out on PC now as well. Uh, you can buy it on Steam. And it's just a beautiful, lovely experience. I won't tell you anything else about it because anything else would be a spoiler. Just go ahead and play it. I don't know if there are very many people who play video games who would not really, really enjoy this game. And don't even look up a trailer for it. Don't look up anything. Just buy it and play it and you'll have a lovely time. And if you don't, just at me at Gloomy Loomy. That's L-U-M-I. <laughs> and let me know how wrong I was for suggesting it. It's also available on Xbox and Switch. Just FYI. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Have you also played it? I have. What I enjoyed you think? it a lot. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would tell people? Really enjoyed the interactions with the characters and the character development, but I'm a, a big fan of story-driven games. So the voice acting was excellent in it. Oh yeah. Wait, voice acting. <laughs> there were, there were no voices in mine. It was just subtitles. Maybe you needed to turn the sound on. <laughs> what? No, this, I heard sound. It had beautiful sound, but no one was talking. All right, well, I'm about to to play this, so I might I might need to go and replay this now with (laughs) voice acting on. Maybe if that's a setting that was off for some reason initially. Yeah, there's definitely voices in it. Like the girl who played Chloe in Life Is Strange was the mechanic girl whose name I can't remember. Mechanic girl. Did we not play the same game? You're not talking, (laughs) we're not talking about the same game. I'm talking about Outer Wilds and you're talking about Outer Worlds, I think. Oh, that's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Guess I need to play Outer Worlds. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Okay. And it's not Outer Worlds. So if you've already played Outer Worlds and you're thinking like, doesn't he know it's from Outer Worlds actually? (laughs) Then stop being a nerd, okay? I don't know why you talk in that voice when you're, I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to make fun of your voice. That, yeah, that was uncalled for. Yeah, just like play Outer Wilds. It's so good. And it's just like a 15-hour kind of experience, r- roughly. Like it can, it can vary wildly. And it's still something, even after I've beaten it, and it had a beautiful ending. Like I still want to go back in and, and keep like just exploring around and just being in that world. Great. Ari, what about you this week? Speaking of wilds, so... We've established that I hate the great outdoors. However, I have a weird obsession with survival shows. And there's one that just came to Netflix, which apparently this is only the sixth season is available on Netflix. So it's the only season I've watched, but the show is called Alone. And it's basically a war of attrition to be the last survivalist standing while surviving alone. This particular season takes place in the Arctic. So it's rough. It will give you content warning if you are squeamish about animals and skinning of animals, things like that. You may spend a lot of time not looking at the screen like I did, but it was still very enjoyable. <laughs> so that is my pick. Great. Tessa, what do you have for us this week? Well, before Tessa goes, can I jump in with one more pick that I just remembered? Yes, go for it. So there's a new artist that I started listening to called Sigrid, who's a Norwegian sort of electropop artist who I've been really enjoying. And her latest album, I forget what it's called, but I enjoy every single song on that album, I think, which is, I feel like it's pretty rare. It's just a great album. So go and check it out, Sigrid. Awesome. Tessa, what about you this week? So my first pick is The Disaster Artist, which is now on Netflix. And it's about Tommy Wiseau. And his friend Greg, and they're trying to make the movie The Room. So it's after the movie came out, Greg wrote a book about it. And then James Franco and his brother made this movie based on the book. And it's kind of like a a long comedy movie about friendship. But there's also like a lot of nice small moments that they're not hidden, but 
it's like they, the filmmakers don't draw any extra attention to them. Like there's a scene early on where Tommy hands Greg like this little pen and things like that, that just add a lot to the atmosphere of the film. So it's, it's very enjoyable. And it's, it's about a guy who has this vision to create like the movie, like the perfect movie and how that ends up working for him or not. And my second pick is Netflix original series from Netflix, Germany, I believe. And it's called Dark. It's a time travel movie. And it's very interesting, but it's also very somber and very heavy. And it rains all the time. So definitely need to do a lot of like mental and emotional prep before, at least for me, whenever I'm about to watch a new season. But it's it's interesting. So those are my picks for the week. And as far as my picks for this week, I'm sort of bringing back an oldie, but I think it's relevant given the topic of today is the book Essentialism by Greg McCone. And he actually also has a podcast if you're interested in that as well, where he talks to sort of different people in the industry and their sort of their thoughts on essentialism. So I just listened to one with Ariana Huffington. But so if you're interested in that, give that a Yeah, be sure to check that out. And with that, thanks everybody for listening. And until next week, enjoy the view.